In episode 14 of Serious About Tech, we talk about the Snapdragon 855 and 8CX processors, along with 5G, what it is and does it matter to you, and what to expect from CES 2019, all the new gadgets and stuff coming out from that. All that coming up in Serious About Tech. Hello and welcome to episode 14 of Serious About Tech. I am your host, Zachary Webb, and today we're going to be talking about CES 2019 rumors that's coming up next week, so close, starting January 7th. So that'll be starting the 7th and then going through next week or just until it ends, I guess. Also, the Qualcomm Snapdragon 855 processor and the 8CX that is going to be in some uh, Windows laptops coming up soon. Going to have those two. And 5G, these new 5G phones, and what 5G really means. Um, how it's actually going to affect you, the consumer. So this 5G thing. Do we really think that this 5G, a new way to connect our smartphones and everything else to the internet through cellular networks is really going to have as big of an impact on our lives as news organizations and tech places want you to think. Um, since 5G is only going to be available for certain cities, certain people in those cities and whatnot with Verizon having a, uh, a hotspot with their 5G that works in just a few cities and AT&T's uh, Nighthawk hotspot that they have now that's a 5G hotspot isn't really getting the speeds that we would expect from 5G. It's just around the same as a fast 4G LTE connection. So 5G promises gigabit speeds. Gigabit. So multi-gigabit speed internet um, through airwaves. Uh, there's two different types. Either sub-6, which is underneath 6 gigahertz waves and then a millimeter wave which is much much higher like 50 gigahertz or just close up in that range 30 to 50 certain ranges like that these are not harmful waves they will not harm your body but they are so so high that they do not go far because they are higher frequencies so they will not travel as far as the uh, normal ones that you would use with your cell phone now, which are down below 1 gigahertz. So this is even up even higher. Now, the carriers are trying to get 5G out with AT&T and Verizon kind of uh, already having their hotspots out and different things like that that um, give them ways to say that they're doing this. Um, Verizon has the Moto Z3 with a Moto Mod coming to it, which is an attachment that goes onto the back of it that would allow it to have 5G, but um, that's not even out yet. That's supposed to be out this quarter, the one of the first quarters of this year, but it's not even out yet. When it does come out, then that phone only has the Snapdragon 835 processor and won't be able to take full advantage of it as the Qualcomm Snapdragon 855 that we will talk about in a few minutes here. So there's the first Samsung Verizon 5G phone. Um, it was just a pro prototype that they showed at the Tech Summit. And 
it transmitted a 4K video from the internet at 60 frames per second, 30 megabit per second video, and it does all fine and stuff like that, but a few tests by, well, this one test by a person on an AT&T hotspot in Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, took a test, one through the 5G hotspot and one just over normal 4G LTE, and the speeds were not much different. They were very much the same and not showing how 5G can be so good. Now, Verizon has a 5G home service that allows you to have home internet through 5G from Verizon, and those speeds are more like 300 to 600 megabits per second, more in line with what you would expect. Even so, it's not like great, great speeds that you might want. T-Mobile and Sprint wanting to merge is also a part of this 5G thing. They think that them combining can give the consumers more choices, even though there's only three carriers instead of four, more choices for 5G since the two companies combining their frequency assets could provide better 5G service to their customers, allow them to expand their coverage faster, provide better speeds, stuff like that. T-Mobile does have good LTE in most cities, but once you get into the rural areas, neither Sprint nor T-Mobile are near as good as AT&T or Verizon. So, in the future, you might not want to buy a 5G smartphone just because it's the cool thing, um, because you might not even get any 5G service until... 2020, 2021, or sometime after that when you, until you actually have 5G service unless you're in a big city. So 5G is not all that it's hyped up to be, but we will see what it turns out to be. AT&T has been, they just pushed out updates to the LG V30 and the Samsung Galaxy SA Active that show a 5G evolution indicator on the status bar um, when the phone is connected to a cell phone tower that AT&T has as 5G evolution, meaning it's their advanced, advanced 4G. That's 4G, uh, it's LTE-AAA is the spec for it, and it's a lot faster, but it's not true 5G. It's really just 4G LTE that's just fast. So if you see that, don't be fooled by that either. Um, just all the carriers want to be first to 5G. First to 5G. That's what they want. Care what they care about. So the Snapdragon 855 is the processor. I have a um, I have a write up about it on my website that powers some of this five. That's going to power these 5G connected phones along with the Snapdragon X50 modem that is going to be the modem that powers the 5G connection to the 855 and the 835 and all the processes that, that they're going to be using with these phones to support 5G. You can find the um, article about the Snapdragon 855 on the website SeriousAboutTech.com. The Snapdragon 8CX was also announced at the Snapdragon Summit there in Maui, Hawaii. It is a 7 nanometer chip that they're going to put in Windows laptops, Ultrabooks, that sort of thing, that will compete with lower-end Intel processors while having much better battery life, Bluetooth 5 support, um, all the quirks of the Snapdragon 855, all the great things that come with it, Quick Charge 4 Plus for quick charging, 
and it's very low power at 7 watts. 7 watts, that's, that takes a very little power, which is why they get such good battery life while providing always-on connectivity. That is, with the Snapdragon X24 modem, that's their new 4G modem that can support up to 2 gigabits per second over LTE. And you're going to get that on the 8CX, along with the 8CX. So that'll be very good. Um, most programs are optimized for the ARM platform. That's The ARM platform is what is the underlying platform underneath all these phone processors and some other processors like that. Um, takes kind of a totally different architecture than an Intel or an AMD chip. And the Snapdragon 8CX, with this, Qualcomm is wanting to really step up their... Uh, performance on these Windows Ultrabooks because they used to have the Snapdragon 835 and the 845 on some other in some other Windows com computers, but they just didn't have the performance um, that most people wanted. So they haven't been doing as good as they could have. So there should be some computers coming out with the Snapdragon 8CX in. Uh, 2019 here, hopefully, and you will see those. Usually they are not expensive Ultrabooks, but not cheap Ultrabooks either, usually around $1,000, so don't expect these computers to be cheap, although eventually they will come down to the low end too. What to expect for CES 2019? So CES is coming right up, and I will have another podcast about CES after it is, after they have CES, which is in Las Vegas every January. So it's the Consumer Electronics Show that they just shortened to CES now. But there should be a lot of companies announcing new phones, new TVs, new computers, new everything there. Everything. There's all kinds of technology stuff that is there. Some things to see. So from Samsung, we might not see the Galaxy S10 there. We may not see that until MWC, which is later in February, but Samsung will announce a few new things, like a new laptop, which they don't have a whole lot of laptops, but their laptops have some kind of cool cool things, like some of them have the S Pen and just, just some different quirks like that, and they also have some 8K TVs. Now, we already have 4K, and a lot of people like me or other people don't even have a 4K TV. They don't have a way that I'm a fast enough internet connection to even view 4K, let alone stream it to their 4K TV. So 8K, I would suppose 8K is definitely going to be expensive right now. Not really a whole lot of people to people who are going to buy an 8K TV, unless it's a big 8K TV and you, they can use it for their home theater setup or something like that. Um, we might see a few other phones from TCL with their Alcatel and uh, BlackBerry brands. Like You might see a follow-up to the BlackBerry Key series, which was um, smartphones with physical keyboard on them. Or we may just see some new announcements with that that aren't an actual product announcement. HTC might have a few new things like their HTC Vive, which is an AR headset, a VR headset that you can connect to a computer. And they have a standalone one too, I think, that you, that you can use to view virtual reality experiences.
We'll see if there's some other smartphones, and there will definitely be um, stuff from NVIDIA, Intel, AMD, graphics cards, new processors. Well, some new processors probably from AMD, and just some different things like that. There will be plenty of stuff uh, to talk about. Just keep your eyes on SeriousAboutTech.com for some news from that, and we'll see what else it comes up with. Do we really need foldable smartphones? There's a lot of rumors about foldable smartphones coming out. We might see some at CES or just might have to wait till a little bit later in the first quarter of 2019 here. But we're going to see foldable smartphones that fold from a tablet size to a smartphone size. And with this comes more expensive prices. You have because you have to pay for these pay for these companies to investigate in these technologies and they're just going to be expensive. They're going to be thick until they get just until this technology evolves and these these foldable smartphones get thinner. It's not going to be it's not going to be probable that we're going to be able to buy them. That consumers aren't going to be able to buy them easily. And it's just we'll have to see if it works out too well. If these foldable smartphones can come out and be very good, then I think it will be a big hit unless it's $2,500 for your foldable smartphone and only the press and other people in the technology space have these things. So Apple, the first company to hit a trillion dollars on the a trillion dollars net worth, um, has the CEO Tim Cook issued a letter to their stockholders um, revising their quarter one fiscal results. That is their financial results from the revenue from the iPhones and all that kind of stuff. The iPhone, the iPad, their Macs, their services, all that. Um, took the revenue, the whole revenue, down from between $89 billion and $93 billion to $84 billion. So it drops billions of dollars. So they're not going to make as much billions of dollars as they thought, though they're still going to make lots of billions of dollars. But it could be because people are not upgrading their iPhones, not upgrading the iPads, stuff like that. They're not going to upgrade their hardware as quickly now that, hard, that Apple's designs are not what consumers want or the previous generation, like the iPhone 10, is good enough that they don't need to upgrade to like the 10s Max. I mean, so it's not necessarily showing that Apple is going down or that Apple will go away. It's just showing that they need to find something to change to keep consumers on their side, to keep consumers buying their products, their overpriced products. But I digress. So I am going to uh, stop doing video versions of this podcast, which you may have watched, you may not watch, but um, I'm going to not do the video just because it makes it harder to do these podcasts, stuff like that. I'm going to not make the video version anymore, but instead stream some of them live like I'm doing for this podcast, episode 14. Stream them live on YouTube if you follow uh, follow the Discord server at seriousabouttech.com slash Discord. You can join over there and get all kinds of inside scoops and get to chat with me. But 
I'm going to stop doing video versions of the podcast to work more on the Serious About Tech YouTube channel, which you can find at seriousabouttech.com slash YouTube to see different things on that. I'm going to do some new reviews. Uh, once I get a new phone, we'll do some reviews of that. And also the Xiaomi Mi Band 3 I've been hinting at. We'll just see if I can do a review of that in early 19, 2019 here. Hopefully in this first quarter I can do um, a review of that and we'll see how it holds up for being such a cheap smartwatch. That seems to do pretty good. So we'll see about that. Remember that you can always find the podcast on SeriousAboutTech.com. It's on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all places where podcasts are found. And you can find the links at SeriousAboutTech.com slash subscribe. Uh, I'll see you next time, hopefully pretty soon, with all the CES news. And remember to visit SeriousAboutTech.com for the latest news with the CES if I get some articles up about that. And we'll see you on the next podcast.